a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very good. Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, a very special one. Lester Velez joins us. He is the chairman and co-founder of OPUS, which we do talk all about. Uh, that is an acronym, of course, that stands for the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. It's incredible. So his story about when he uh, was a part of MUFON and then uh, had all these abduction cases come in and they were just like, here, you take it. And he was like, okay, well, I'll just start Opus. And it's incredible. So he also wrote a book, which we talk quite a bit about, which of course are linked down in the show notes, The Unknown Other and The Existential Proposition of Alien Contact. Uh, it's got a forward by Lin Linda Moulton Howe, which is really, really cool. So um, Lester is fascinating. On this episode, guys, we talk not only about his book, but all of the awesome things contained within he covers some incredible topics, uh, specific UFO cases that he talks about that are detailed incredibly well in the book, as well as we go over um, some incredible experiences, uh, implants, uh, the concept of hybridization. We really go for it on this one, guys. But with Lester, you can do that. So. Uh, all the ways to find him will be linked down in the show notes, so make sure you take advantage of that, as well as all the uh, offerings that Opus has. So there's a support page online. There's all sorts of very interesting things. So all of that is linked down in the show notes, guys. Uh, down there as well, if you'd like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. So make sure you check that as well. Uh, other than that, let's get to this, because Lester is awesome. So uh, without any further ado, here is Lester Velez. All right, ladies and gentlemen, extremely excited for this incredible episode with Lester Velez. You, of course, wrote an amazing book, The Unknown Other, an existential proposition of the alien contact. And it is so cool. This is a wonderful book. Um, I just wanted to tell you how impressed I was with your writing style and with all the information that you had in there. So before we get launching into this, do you mind just telling my audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah, um, you know, I was a graduate of the University of Vermont and, uh, you know, subsequently got married or actually I was in the service and then got married and uh, uh, eventually uh, wound my way out to uh, California in 1985. Um, and I uh, picked up the newspaper one day and Stanton Freeman was going to talk about uh, UFOs and the government cover up. And so... Uh, at San Jose City College. And I, I went there expecting to see, you know, a handful of people, but the auditorium was packed. Uh, he gave one of his inimitable, uh, you know, lectures. And uh, on the way out, um, you know, I was pretty jazzed at that point. And MUFON had a table uh, in the foyer and uh, hawking their monthly journal. And so I, I decided to get that. And after a while, it, uh, you know, wasn't enough for me. And I became a field investigator. 
And that's when things got really interesting because most of the cases uh, that I got involved with not only sightings, but they were they were abduction type cases. And uh, so that's when, uh, as I say, things got really interesting for me and uh, working with these people and understanding that uh, they, they needed some type of help. And uh, so... But I, I think the story has to even go back further. Uh, when I was 11 years old, uh, I saw something. This is when I lived in Connecticut. One October evening, and this object was hovering over a tree line and not making a sound and just slowly moved off into the distance. And it was uh, an oval, whitish type object. And, of course, uh, it scared the hell out of me. And I ran into the house, and by the time I got there uh, into the house uh, to drag my father out uh, and finally convince him to do so, uh, it was gone. And he said, well, it's probably a beacon of light reflecting off a cloud. And, uh, well, I didn't quite buy that. And decided to go to the library and, and, you know, look for some books on UFOs. And I did. I found Georgia Damsky's books. <laughs> and uh, so that set me on a path uh, for quite a while uh, until I got into high school and girls became a little bit more interesting to me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, eventually, uh, as I say, went off to college, the University of Vermont and uh, joined the ROTC, uh, became a field artillery officer. And, uh, and as I said, uh, eventually I got married uh, had a couple of kids and uh, moved out to California. So that's kind of the, the, the intro. And in, in working with these people, they asked me, uh, you know, did I know of other people having similar experiences? And I said, yes, I do. So as it turned out, I, I began facilitating a support group in San Jose. And uh, <laughs> Some of the stories that I heard and, and the information that came across was was incredible. Uh, you know, nothing I had read, to, you know, up to that point uh, was as dramatic and as compelling as what these people were telling me. And uh, so some of the cases that uh, I got involved with, um, one particular case uh, was this couple uh, and uh, they were picnicking in a, a, a state park uh, just north of Santa Cruz. And uh, uh, they were coming out of the park. It was almost dusk. And they noticed this light over the ocean. And uh, this, this light got bigger and bigger and, uh, until it was literally over their heads. And it turned out to be a triangular craft about the size of a small Learjet. And uh, it continued to go uh, into a canyon behind them. And they noticed another light over the ocean. And uh, this light got bigger and bigger, the same scenario until it was over their heads. And it was the same type of a craft. And uh, the first one, they felt they were looking at it. But the second one, they felt it was looking at them and they became frightened. And they backed up underneath a big old pine tree that was up there. And... Uh, so this happened five more times. There was a total of seven craft that were in this canyon. And they were just sitting there horizontally, one next to the other, kind of doing that butterfly action that UFOs tend to do. And then all of a sudden, the whole group like went up 
in a vertical position and like they went around a corner, but there was no corner to go around. It was just like they went into another dimension. Um, well, needless to say, at that point, they, they, they started to leave the park and they felt very unusual at that point. They felt like they were on automatic pilot, like they were floating down out of the park. In this particular area, and I, I was out there with them actually looking at this area, is dark during the day because of the, the, the trees and the vegetation, and it's rocky. And to, in order to navigate that during the day is even difficult, let alone at night. And so they somehow just, as I said, floated down through there. And that's the last thing they remember until three hours later, ending up in a, in a restaurant in, in a town called Pescadero, which is only five to 10 minutes away from the park. Uh, and so it would not take them three hours, but they had no recollection whatsoever of what had happened to them. And they ended up coming to uh, the support group meeting and uh, they had both developed a rash um, on their body in the groin area. And, Right away, people in, in the support group said, well, was it poison ivy or poison oak? Because there's a lot of poison oak up in, in that park. And uh, they had gone to a doctor and the doctor said, no, it's not poison ivy or oak. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what it is. And then uh, they had gone to another doctor and he, he posited the fact that, well, perhaps it's, it's some internal, uh, you know, reaction to something. Uh, but I don't know what it could possibly be. So they had taken a picture, as I said, and they showed it around to the group. And almost without exception, uh, each member of the group said that they had a similar rash at one time or another. And one of the people in the group said, well, I know what that's from. And of course, we were, you know, kind of skeptical about that. But what came out of this person's mouth blew us away because what they had said was that this was a reaction to the fluid that they dip you in when they bring you on board the craft to sanitize. <laughs> but only in that one particular area, in the groin area? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, perhaps because of um, being in that area, you know, it, it can be more moist or something and perhaps retain some of that uh, fluid, uh, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's unusual. There's no question about it. But, but the explanation of what it was was, was, was mind-blowing. It's like, oh, okay, I've, I never heard that before. That's a first. Well, it's incredibly remarkable because if you think about it, uh, these non-human entities, whatever they are, if they are doing this and abducting and dipping us into some sort of sanitizer, uh, whatever material that's made out of, I mean, all humans, you know, some of us have peanut allergies. Some of us are allergic to different detergents. So you would think that it's interesting that they could get such a ubiquitous compound that would be okay for everyone with maybe the result being like this slight rash. They're like, okay, we've tried everything in the universe. It turns out we could do this, but it's just a little bit of an irritating rash. So we're just going to go with that formula. Now, right. Let me ask you, were the other people in the group that admitted to having a similar rash, did that all occur in the same location or were there different areas of the body? There were some different areas, uh, some around the neck area, uh, some near the armpits, um, uh, some still in the, in the, in the upper thigh area. So yeah, it, it, it probably depended upon the person, you know, how, how, uh, you know, they, uh, they reacted and, and where it was, uh, uh, you know, 
most prevalent for them. Yeah, that's interesting. And it's kind of like uh, you picture like cows, you know, in a cattle chute getting uh, flea dipped or something, you know, where they jump through that bath. And it's kind of like maybe that's part of the process. You know, it's interesting, um, but it makes sense. But also it's it raises other questions like why do they need to sanitize us for their health? You know, or are they protecting us from what's on the craft? Uh, that's a good question. I, I have no answer for that. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's certainly a, a you know possibility of, of going both ways. Uh, you know that uh, protecting themselves uh, uh, from from whatever we have. Uh, although uh, you know that's to me that's why I, you know if I was an alien <laughs> yeah. that I would if I was bringing somebody. You know, like we, we go out to outer space and we bring stuff back, you know, and we, we make sure it's confined in a, in a, in a, a vacuum sealed uh, object and it's handled very carefully. Well, I think the same thing is going on with these aliens is that they're, they're trying to make sure that, uh, you know, they're not bringing something on board uh, rather than them giving something to us. I don't think they worry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, they wouldn't. Um, it's kind of like, uh, and we we talk about this quite a bit about the abduction phenomena. It's uh, kind of the motivation behind it, and you know, how do they, how do those entities view us? Like, are we just like some sort of experiment or some sort of prison planet idea where they can just come on in and just do whatever the hell they want and be okay with it? Because that was, I guess, going to lead me to my next question about this particularly. Was is, uh, you know, have any humans ever gotten some sort of space bug, like some space virus, from being? taken on a UFO and um, they were, you know, like you said, you know, they didn't really have any regards for our health or safety. Um, but it's interesting also that that stuff isn't more prevalent, that you don't have just like a bunch of space bacteria running around. It may, I, I don't know, prove that the universe is pretty ubiquitous as far as when it comes to contaminants. You know, maybe there's some stuff that's pretty universal, you know. Well, I, I think that there, there definitely are a physical effects that occur uh, from people uh, being coming into contact, uh, mostly, uh, uh, most likely due to microwave energy, uh, even X-ray and gamma ray uh, energy that, that uh, is, uh, uh, you know, part of the mechanism of, of these uh, saucers, if you will. Um, so, uh, and in and, and the latest book, uh, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon, they, they talk about a lot of different diseases that have occurred after contact, uh, especially with orbs, orbs coming coming into the bodies uh, of people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that 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 was an interesting revelation. And uh, one of the studies that uh, we just uh, finished the first phase of the Omega Four study, where we went out to therapists. Uh, the what people are are seeing uh, are. Uh, you know, grays first. That, I mean, that that's still number one. It's it's. And I I think uh, one of our discussions uh, uh, we had that when we were on that panel, uh, Brandon, uh, that we talked about the grays being like an iPhone. You know, every every, every you know, a mantid or or Nordic goes out to this store in the universe and picks up a gray to to go get us. You know, because they don't want to get involved with you know the pickup and you know the return. Uh, of the uh, entities, but the orbs are the number two thing that's most now cited by experiencers and then interdimensional beings and then poltergeist ghosts. So it's, uh, and, and I think that this, this shows that 
all of this uh, paranormal stuff is connected. Uh, it, it, it's totally connected. And uh, could not agree more. Yeah, uh, that's that's kind of the conclusion we're all drawing as well, is that it's just something. It's all the same damn thing, whatever it is, or it's connected in some way for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you had uh, Penniston on your show here recently. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, the the fact that these these entities were us coming back from 40,000 years in the future. You know, that's that's mind blowing right there. That's and fun, why are they coming back? Because they screwed up and they needed to collect, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, material uh, to, to take back. Uh, it's 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 an interesting uh, thought because you know people always ask, well, is it extraterrestrial? Is it interdimensional? Is it time travelers? Is it our military? Well, I think it's all the above. <laughs> Whatever you can possibly think of, I is agree. What it is. I completely agree with that. And there was an interesting thing I brought up to Jim as well when I when I had him on about a, a friend of mine named Mira Taylor. She has a really interesting perspective and she's real zoom out big picture. And she kind of follows a more spiritual uh, aligned path with it, which with the idea, which would be that uh, basically that bas- there's nothing here but you. OK, it goes the idea spiritually. OK, so this means that all entities, um, anything paranormal, all of that stuff is you or a part of you on some level. You're just an individual individuated piece of consciousness right Mm -hmm. so to the idea of the abduction phenomena ufos aliens all of that stuff let's say perhaps because there's been a couple of different things and and i'd love to talk to you about this uh, is that some people say that they so one of the ideas goes is that whenever you look at abduction cases or or visitation cases or contact uh, especially in a structure or a home uh, where people are taken out, that these entities, whatever they are, seem to phase right through the wall or the window or solid objects, roofs at sometimes. It doesn't seem to be like physical barriers for us or not for them. So one of the interesting ideas is, um, is that perhaps they take your astral body and leave your physical body behind, which would kind of call into question the dip that we need to do. Like, why mm-hmm. would they need to sanitize your... Yeah. Um, yeah. Your, astral body. Your astral body, right. <laughs> right. Uh, but there, there could be some other things about that, though. But um, one of the interesting things is perhaps if they take your astral body, maybe the way that they present themselves as these craft, maybe it's just an apparatus to go within you. Have you ever seen that movie uh, Inner Space with Martin Short, I think? It was an old movie. It was back in the either 90s or 80s anyway. But they, they basically take a machine, a big submarine-looking thing, and they shrink it. And they put it um, oh, yeah. into oh, yeah, a bloodstream. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. perhaps it's something like that. And you go within yourself. That's where you're being abducted to. And these entities are part of you that are kind of a mechanism in which it it's kind of it buffers the experience a little bit to where it's not as jarring because you think that you're going on a craft. And we have these, you know, sightings everywhere. That could be what sightings are. They just float around everywhere. And um Perhaps, you know, it's just one of those ideas. It's pretty interesting. What do you, yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and I, I think that uh, uh, in the book, in my book, uh, the story that Adam tells, uh, which is one of the first uh, in the book, talks about uh, breaking down the structure, okay, of, of, the, of the physical body in, in such a way that it can go through walls, go through windows or what have you. Um and, and then re- being reassembled, okay? Uh, so, and, and that's another way to look at it. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the the astral body thing is absolutely le- legitimate, uh, you know, because of the way things happen. Uh, but I think it, it could be a multitude of different ways that these entities are interacting with us, whether it's disassembling our atoms and reassembling them like, the, you know, the transporter. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> exactly. That thing goes through anything, you know. <laughs> Um, and, 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 and then you, of course, you, then you have the astral body, uh, uh, scenario, which is, I think is valid as well. Um, we just don't have definitive answers to this stuff. That's the problem. We don't. And it seems like there's some ubiquitous cases to where there's some similarities that occur, but also there are other cases to where they take your astral body or your physical body, or there's missing time or there's not, or like um, Dr. Roger Lear, there's implants, which you do talk about in your book. Uh, These kind of things are very interesting that there are artifacts that people physically bring back from having an experience such as transmuting through a wall. That should be enough. But no, Mm -hmm. they, you know, introduce you to some hybrid child. Uh, And I want to talk about hybridization with you as well, which you do cover very well in your book. Um, So it is interesting, though, the different variety of phenomena, the flavor that they come in, the variety of craft, the variety of entities. We know that there are some uh, commonalities like the grays, and we we did talk about that on that panel. So that's how you and I met, by the way, everybody. Um, I'll go ahead and link the conversation that we had on um, Deep Share uh, Andy Rouse's podcast. Uh, He put together a wonderful panel, and uh, it's called The Witness. And so I will uh, go ahead and link that down there if you guys want to go check that out to make sure you do that. Um, And so on there, though, we were talking about all these different scenarios. And so one of the more interesting ones is... The, the commonalities, but also the differences and the uniqueness of it. So it seems like this is a very personal experience for folks, um, that there hasn't been like mass abductions. You know, we, you hear about Project Serpo and stuff like that. That's more of a voluntary thing if you, if you follow the narrative on it. But, yeah. but mainly it's, it's couples, it's a couple of people. What's the most amount of people that you can think of that have been abducted or taken at one time? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I know that uh, Bud Hopkins, uh, way back when there, uh, had a group, uh, a couple of hundred people uh, that got abducted, that he got involved with. Um, I personally have only had uh, two people at a time. This, this case that I just mentioned to you uh, earlier, um, but it's mostly one, you know, one-on-one type of a scenario. Uh, it, it is rare to have, you know, larger numbers of people disappear, uh, but it's not unheard of. You know, as I said, this case that Bud had uh, gotten involved in, I can't remember the details of it. I think it was down in South Carolina someplace, and, uh, uh, and they were in a park or something, and, and then just all of a sudden disappeared. And then, of course, uh, Terry Lovelace, you know, he and his... Uh, but he got got taken, and uh, and that that that's a hell of a story right there. And you know, Terry Terry, by the way, is on our advisory panel uh, for Opus, and is along with uh, uh, Linda Moulton Howe, uh, Melinda Leslie, and Yvonne Smith. Uh, so we've, we're very lucky to have those those people involved with us as well. Uh, but yeah, you know they. There's there's so many uh, facets of this phenomena, and you know you can look at it uh, from a psychological point of view. You can look at it from a a, uh, a physics uh, standpoint. Uh, it needs to be looked at by all aspects, and and that's that's why we need more scientists involved in in looking at this phenomena and 
you know, God bless old uh, Lou Elizondo uh, for sticking his neck out and trying to, you know, get this whole thing going. And, you know, people, some people talk about the fact that, well, he shouldn't be doing it the way he's doing it. But I think the only way you're going to get the attention of the government is to say it's a threat. (laughs) It's a possible threat, you know, (laughs) because then, then you'll get money. Then you'll get money. Um, And and so, uh, but uh, yeah. Yeah, you you did have Linda Moulton Howe uh, wrote the forward for the book. I mean, you have some some heavy hitters and some bangers in here, man, and you just discussed some wonderful things. So, of course, guys, the end of another will be linked down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys check that out uh, for more on what we're talking about here. So you are the chairman and uh, co-founder of Opus. Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about that? Sure. So um, the story continues, uh, you know, after I, I started facilitating the support group, um, I was written up in the Monterey Coast Weekly paper uh, about the things that I, I, I've been doing uh, for MUFON, uh, you know, investigating cases. And uh, there was a woman that was also written up in that same article, and her name was uh, Carol Austin. She's since passed away. And uh, so she contacted me and uh, said, I'd like to understand what's going on with my brain waves when I'm in contact with these off-earthly entities. And I kind of sat there kind of scratching my head. That's why I don't have a whole lot of hair. Uh, <laughs> so anyways, you know, I said, well, okay, that, that's interesting. And uh, then she said she was working with an emergency room doctor down in Carmel. And so uh, I had a doctor friend by the name of uh, Eugene Lipson, who was very interested in connecting with other doctors uh, that were uh, interested in the phenomena. And so I called him up and I said, hey, Gene, let's let's go down and see this this lady and, and, and see, see you know, what we can find out. And so we did. We went down there one Saturday afternoon. And as we walked in, there was a picture on the wall. And uh, it was her standing on the back of a, of, of a fairly good sized boat. And I said, well, you know, what, what's this all about? And she says, oh, yeah, I was helping these uh, uh, treasure hunters. And, and I said, where? And she said, in the Caribbean. I said, oh, how are you helping them? And she says, well, I was in contact with the captain of the galleon that had gone down. No way. <laughs> this yeah. is brilliant. Why don't more people use mediums to find treasure? Oh, my yeah. God. Good call. So, so anyway, um, she, we find out that uh, after a near-death experience, she became very psychic. Uh, and when, you know, and this was something that uh, uh, the rest of the afternoon, she was telling us stuff about ourselves that there was no possible way. I had never met her before that. Uh, she certainly didn't know Jean. And we came away with him away from that afternoon, just blown away. He said, how can we possibly help a person like this? Yeah. <laughs> and that, so that, that became how, or, you know, Opus was hatched that afternoon at a hamburger joint, you know, saying, okay, we got to put an organization together. And so in 1994, uh, the organization for paranormal understanding and support, uh, was officially recognized by the IRS as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. 
And that always cracks me up that the uh, IRS and the paranormal uh, <laughs> go together. <laughs> They're going to get theirs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. for the next. They'll get theirs. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, so we, we, we put together a group of people that I, I talk about in the book uh, who were the initial uh, group that we got together uh, and really good people. And, uh, you know, we put our mission uh, statement together uh, and you can see all of that information uh, on our website at opusnetwork.org. And basically, very simply put, the mission is to help people having paranormal experiences. And and that covers a lot of area, you know, the paranormal. You know, you can have uh, spiritual awakening, uh, you know, uh, poltergeist activity, uh, certainly UFO, uh, you know, abduction type cases. And as it turns out, for whatever reason, we, we have continued to get the majority of cases uh, centered around abductions and, you know, experiencers coming to us. I'll get two to three a week at minimum uh, people looking for help. And most of the time they're looking to get put into our online support group, which is I think has proven to be so beneficial for people because they can talk to other people having similar uh, experiences. And so this is, as I said, online, it's totally confidential. You have to go to our site, uh, request support. There's a support button there and you click on that and we ask you to fill out a a short little form. And then either I get it or another member of our, of our organization gets it. And we do a little triage and, and then we, you know, Either you want to go in. Sometimes they're looking for professional help. And most of the time they're looking for hypnotherapists. And so we have a resource list of hypnotherapists that we can, you know, utilize to uh, point them, you know, in the, in the right direction. Um, and, and that seems to, you know, be working out very well. And so the big thing for us right now, as far as what we're trying to do in the future, um, is to... Um, get the word out, you know, in a, in a bigger way and, and in more areas. And shows like yours, Brandon, are very important to us uh, because, you know, you talk about the book. And by the way, all proceeds of the sale of the book go directly to Opus. I don't, I don't get a dime. <laughs> uh, and that's, you know, that, that's my contribution to the cause here, trying to make sure that we're funded, uh, we can continue to do what we do because, of course, it, it takes money. You know, to to run a website and uh, uh, none of this is free, and and so we do have to raise some some funds, but it's all tax deductible if if people donate uh, because we're a, a nonprofit organization. Um, so uh, anyway, that that's kind of it in a nutshell. Uh, what we're doing, and uh, you know, we have a Facebook uh, presence, uh, uh, we have a YouTube presence. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're now talking about getting involved with Instagram and even maybe TikTok. Uh, we just had a discussion about that the other night. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. But um, anyway, um, you know, the, the interesting thing, you hit, you hit it, and I, and I wanted to talk about this, is reincarnation. Because in the book, Adam talks about reincarnation. and one of the things that happened at a support group meeting uh, was that uh, a, a person said, well, I've seen you before. 
And I said, really? Where? At a UFO conference? Uh, you know, a grocery store? And she says, no, I saw you on board a craft. Oh. I said, oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. So I kind of I kind of blew it up. And, and then it was probably a year and a half, two years later, somebody totally different in the support group says, I've seen you before. I said, really? UFO conference, grocery store, gas station? No, 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 no. You were on a craft, you were sitting on this bench naked and you were freaking out and they told me to go over to you and calm you down. Shut up. Well, so at that point I decided, okay, I'm going to go get regressed. And I had three separate regressions, uh, three different people and um, could not find out anything uh, with regard to alien contact. Uh, but I had multiple past lives multiple past lives and they they all came up with past lives for me and and so later on somebody said you know what you might have been abducted in a past life yes you know yes. and and uh, and i think that's that can be totally possible um and uh, you know maybe what because people ask you why are you involved in all this i said well you got to go back to when i was 11 years old and i saw this i got really interested and then you know all these things fell into place that all these synchronicities if you will you know falling falling in place and when i've traveled around a country in my previous you know uh, job uh, before i retired I, I was basically traveling around the country all the time and it's it was interesting how I would always seem to show up and end up in places that had significant sightings or, uh, you know, abductions or something like that. And, and, and it's like, well, I'm a little bit late because this happened, you know, but why am I here? You know, it's, it's just phenomenal how, how this all, as you say, uh, I think earlier talked about synchronicities. Dude, that is crazy. I've never even thought of that before. But of course, if you you know have multiple lives and you can recall those past lives, you'd be able to recall if you were abducted or not in those past lives. But what's interesting is that because there was no abduction that you could recall under hypnosis in this life, but mm -hmm. other people, more than one, independently of each other, have said that they have seen you specifically. Now, did they say you in the body that you're in now or they just recognized you? Um, like your energy? I, I don't I don't know the, the answer to that. I, I, I assumed it was in this body, in this body. But I, I never I never even thought of asking that question. <laughs> you know, what would be crazy, though, is if you appeared the way that you do now to people mm -hmm. that you meet in this life. Right. All of their lives like they can recognize you because the way that you present yourself in a way that they can recognize in this life presents itself that way. And their recall of their past life memories or any memories that they have. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> it's that that's that's a conundrum. I, you know, who knows? I, I you know, and, and as you as you talk about this, it's it's like, yeah, there are questions to be asked. But, you know, that was so long ago now in the early 90s, you know. <laughs> I don't even remember who who I was talking to back then. <laughs> yeah, you're like Mad TV was on uh, was on TV. Um, you know what what's crazy about this too is if you think about it, and then you can because we apply a lot of different filters here. Um, a lot of it's uh, spiritual. We uh, look at a lot of different things. So one of the things that I was thinking about whenever you talk about this is isn't you're not necessarily not the entity that's abducting you. So let's say, for instance, that you 
start this journey. And I think this place is way more magical and, and mysterious than we give it credit for a lot of times. Uh, so let's say one of the possibilities could be, just as a fun thought experiment, that perhaps you are the entities and you are all of your incarnations. So maybe you as a higher spiritual being or as a higher being manifested in this way as one of these beings perhaps, uh, can come check on the individuated pieces of you and maybe come fix some things and do this throughout timelines because time doesn't necessarily exist, right? Just from our linear perspective, we need that. Right. But you could be actually your own like spirit guides, your own aliens that come down or non-human intelligences that come down, abduct you, fix stuff on you or correct a timeline perhaps, and then send you back out. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, you know, I've been told uh, in the past that uh, I was a commander of a Palladian ship. Cool. Uh, and, and it's like, okay, um, you know, again, I have no recollection of that, but is that a poss- possibility? Oh, yes. <laughs> of course, Lester. Of course, yeah. it's a possibility, <laughs> brother. You know, and it's even more interesting, too, because maybe there's only a certain set of characters that you interact with in a lifetime, you know? And mm-hmm. so perhaps in every lifetime, you kind of run around with these batch of folks and some of the memories may overlap a little bit or there's kind of a, a fuzz or a haze to where they could be remembering something from a past life where you were the commander of a Pleiadian ship. And then maybe they're getting a little too close to their higher selves. You know, maybe they're getting too close to kind of figuring something out. And then it's kind of, I don't know, dialed back or governed back a little bit so that there's still a good amount of mystery, which that alone would ask way more questions, right? You know, there are so many cases where people are reincarnated and and they believe they're a certain person and they can talk about uh, various things. I heard this one case um, of of a person that uh, had missing fingers uh, uh, when they were uh, born and and, and part of a, a toe that was missing. And when they grew up, they, they, they believed that they were this particular person. And as it turned out, this, this person uh, had, they were able to track down who this person was, you know, in this previous, uh, you know, had, had obviously passed away. But they had missing fingers in exactly the same place. And the toe was missing in exactly the same place as this person that was born and, and the, the person had these recollections of this person. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I mean, not only have you, you know, remembrances, but then physical aspects and, and person, another person was shot in a previous lifetime. And then this other person shows up with a, with a wound, obviously just like a gunshot wound in the exact same place. Did you hear you hear of this so many in um, in reincarnation accounts uh, where kids, you know, there's several there's a very famous one where a child, I believe in Russia somewhere, a small village could recall that he was murdered and buried under some tree in a town not too far away, but that he'd never been to. So he was finally so adamant about it. I believe that they just took him out to the tree a couple towns away that, again, he'd never been to. And he said, yeah, dig right here. It's in the middle of a huge field, nothing around ground undisturbed. They dig up a body that ended up dying exactly the same way the kid said that it did and ended up being the name of the person that he said that they did. And these um, sort of trace evidence uh, marks or birthmarks, I, I hear birthmarks uh, a lot in these cases to where they will they will correspond exactly uh, size, placement, everything to a wound that they can recall 
of how they died in a past life. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing that's so, so remarkable, uh, you know, and, and psychic's ability to not only go back in the past but and the present, but the future. Yes. And, you know, uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the people that I interviewed uh, that's on our Opus website is uh, Patricia Mona, who's a psychic out of uh, Calgary, Canada. And uh, she was working with a woman and uh, it hit her while they were having the session that uh, she felt that her son was in trouble and that, you know, the mother needed to be, you know, uh, very careful and, and, uh, you know, watch the child because, uh, you know, there was a possibility that he might commit suicide. And so the mother just basically kind of blew it off, didn't, didn't believe it, and uh, came back after, uh, you know, a month or so to the next session that she was having with her and found out that, in fact, the son did commit suicide. Oh. You know. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, another interesting thing that was pointed out to me about past lives is we refer to them as past lives because they happened in our history's past from our linear perspective but another great way to put it and kind of one that'll blow your mind even more is that they're simultaneous lives that you're living all of these at the same time uh, that there is no past present and future just from our again perspective so that's even trippier and then when you talk about like ancestor healing and stuff this concept of um, you know and it ties into scientifically uh, quantum entanglement to where if uh, something happens in one particle it affects the other over distances time it doesn't matter it's instantaneous Right, that spooky action at a distance, as Einstein right. called it. Uh, but if that's the case, then you could affect lives that you're living now that we consider past lives or future lives. That's one of the explanations of why psychics are able to tap into uh, the future and stuff like that. Like um, Psychic Warrior, of course, the remote, uh, remote viewing program, uh, that was something that they were able to do. Was look at Mars like millions of years ago. It's crazy to me, dude. How disorienting is that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you, you should watch some of the latest uh, Star Trek, uh, um, you know, Discovery. They are time traveling and doing all kinds of crazy things, you know, <laughs> assembling, disassembling bodies and, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, our future is, is there is no such thing as the future. As you said, it's all here now. You can, and that's how I think that's how psychics are able to tap into this thing is that they can they can just look here and everything is presented to them for some way, somehow, um, you know, and, and, they, and they talk about, you know, like Gary Nolan and, and Kate Green talk about the fact that, well, that connection between the, the caudate and the putamen. Uh, are, 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 are there's a lot more connections in people that have psychic abilities. Uh, and so there's a physical aspect to it as well. Um, and then, you know, these people are, are also seem to be, uh, you know, uh, being able to transmit or to uh, receive uh, messages uh, from whoever, uh, you know, whether it's uh, non-human intelligences, uh, just like uh, Carol Austin was doing, you know, when we went down there to talk with her. Um <laughs> you talk about a rabbit hole, you know, you go down this rabbit hole and there's just all kinds of possibilities. You know, uh, Alice in Wonderland has nothing. <laughs> yeah. that, 
that hole's pretty damn deep. Yeah. Uh, you know, and what one thing that I do find very, very interesting is whenever you start talking about past, present, future, all of that stuff, it's it's interesting though to psychic mediums, especially that there's physical differences with them. They have extra connectivity, as you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there would would there be a I guess augmentation that one human could undergo eventually? Do you think that um, would give them these gifts or abilities or their ability to tap in? Um, I think that would be pretty tricky because I mean you're going deep into the brain uh, to do something like that. But that doesn't mean that uh, there isn't some type of a, a chip that could be developed that could do the same thing. Um, and uh, but I think it's probably pretty far off. Uh, you know, and I think I. I had an Omni magazine. I don't know if you remember that series way back when Omni magazine. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was, it was a, a real uh, forward looking uh, magazine. They talked about all kinds of things. They talked about inserting chips in the back, back of the brain uh, to, you know, being able to speak a language like instantaneously or being a, a math whiz uh, just by inserting a chip. And they're, they're talking about doing that right now. I mean, that, that's a reality. And that was 30 years ago that this magazine was talking about that. So where the hell are we going to be in another 30 years? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's phenomenal. Um, it is phenomenal. It's very interesting. And I think Neuralink is one of those things. That's one of those deals where, you know, Elon Musk wants to throw a chip in your head. Um, right. And, you know, this is uh, jokingly, we have talked about that nobody's actually going to go to Mars. So you're going to have to be required to put this chip in your head. But really, they're going to just tell you that you went to Mars, like some total recall <laughs> shit. And yeah. uh, you actually don't go. It's going to be a lot cheaper just to throw chips in people's heads and sedate them for, you know, a right. year uh, than it would be to actually send people up there. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it's an interesting idea. And then, of course, when you talk about people who have had near-death experiences that come back, one of those things that the chips uh, that you talked about, it seems like they're mimicking or attempting to mimic natural phenomena of people who come back from near-death experiences and, like, can play drums or speak fluent Mandarin or, you know, play the piano like crazy, and they've never been able to do that in their entire life. So it's like an automatic skill upgrade and upload. It's very interesting, man. Yeah, um, I forget who who did that, where they they uh, um, disabled uh, the the left part of the brain, and in some way, shape, or form, and then what was uh, the the right brain took over, and uh, these people were able to you know play the violin like it you know it was going out of style, and 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 various other skills, uh, so. There is a way to do that, uh, you know, become a, a savant, if you will, and, and by disabling certain parts of the brain, uh, which is the case with, with these people that have, you know, that, that condition. Um, uh, it's, it's, there's so much to this thing. And, and you just, you, you, just um, you know, every time you, you talk to another person, there's another aspect that uh, pops in there and, uh, you know, you, you need to, you know, dig around. I mean, uh, I think it's the uh, University of South Carolina uh, uh, that has has a basically a, a whole group of people that are looking at the paranormal now. Um, and uh, let's see, I've got a book. Oh, yeah, here it is. Hold on a second. Sure. Get it. This, 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 this is a, if I can get, uh, uh, let's see if I can get this here. 
Uh, I've got my background on here. It's not a green screen, so I don't know if you can see it. Anyway, this, 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 okay, here we go. Um, it's called. Oh, tilted <laughs> just a little. There you go. All right. Yeah. Uh, Indestructible mind or the irreducible mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Irreducible mind. It, this thing is like three inches thick and um, it's toward the psychology for the 21st century by uh, Edward E. Kelly and uh, Emily uh, Kelly, his wife, actually. And they talk about all of this psychic stuff and uh, cases that they've been involved with. And and I've, I'm only about, you know, 10 percent through this thing because it's pretty technical uh and so now you have a group of people that are really interested in this phenomena and they they put they put on uh various uh seminars um yeah let's see where is this thing uh, trying to get you the yeah the irreducible you know what? And I'm going to go ahead and link it in the show notes for everybody yeah. that wants to go check it out. Okay. So just check yeah. the show notes for yeah. this book, guys, and um, we'll we'll make sure that you can check it out. That is yeah. awesome. And I mean, any kind of resource like that. We love that stuff. Um, that It's fascinating, man. And there are just so many rabbit holes that you can go down. There are so many interesting ways to look at this stuff. And, it, and I don't know, from your experience, you've probably gotten the same conclusion I have, that the further you look into it, the more mysterious it becomes. You, do, you get more ideas, but less answers. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, when you work with a person, you know, and you hear their, their story. Okay. Well, the stories, there are similarities to the stories. There are basic similarities, but then it goes off into a whole different areas. I, I, uh, I was able to uh, speak with uh, Robert Salas, uh, you know, uh, who uh, was the uh, commander of that uh, missile silo that uh, shut down, you know, at, at Maelstrom. And uh, come to find out that he and his wife are both experiencers. Really? He was on the National Press Club. I didn't know he was an experiencer himself. Yeah, he's a, he's an experiencer. And he sat down with me at the at the MUFON Symposium in this past August and told me the whole story, which was absolutely fascinating. And they both, as I say, were abducted. And his wife actually became a healer afterwards she got this ability to heal people afterwards and you know not only are people getting healed by some of these experiences but also being able to heal and i i have a person that's in the uh, online support group up in vancouver who uh, is a healer and i had some back issues and so we had a couple of sessions and he's in vancouver and i'm here in texas and uh I was a hundred percent better after he worked on me from distance. <laughs> See, and I mean, how do they do that? Like people hypnotize over zoom and stuff like that and send you a little Reiki energy and you feel better. Like what is yeah. going on with this? Is it a placebo thing? Is, are they tapping into some sort of field where they're able to isolate you and you, you've got your focus on them with the intent of receiving healing. They've got the focus on sending healing out that will be received in a positive way. I mean, there, right. are, there are just so many interesting questions about this and, Back what you said about uh, got abducted, now I'm a healer. It, it kind of now lends more to that idea that perhaps there's some spiritual tinkering that's going on, that it's it's a bigger thing. It's more than just physicality. 
Yeah, Brandon, I, I totally agree with that. I, I, I always said that this is a spiritual journey that these people are on. Yep. Uh, you know, it may be uh, something that causes a lot of stress, uh, maybe even PTSD in the beginning. But after a while, people come to accept these things. And then in the later stages, when it stops, that people, you know, uh, it's almost like the Stockholm syndrome where they say, how come we're not coming for me anymore? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so the, it, it, it's so significant that uh, 70 to 80 percent of these people do not want to have the experience stop. Only, as, you know, maybe 20, 25 percent say, hey, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a bad situation. I, I want it to stop. And then people say, well, you know, how could that be? How can some people feel positive and other people feel negative about it? You know, a la Bud Hopkins and David Jacobs, it's all negative and Greer is all positive. Well, it's a combination, folks. I think that we, we're dealing just as we do here on Earth. We have good people and we have bad people. And I think we've got the same thing going on there, even within, uh, you know, particular uh, races, if you will, like, you know, some people have said that the the reptoids are all bad, real badasses, and 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 other people have said they're they're loving, and uh, you know so <laughs> it's a mixed bag. It's such a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag, but I think it can be quantified. And so the way that uh, kind of that I look at this and a lot of other folks, I mean, is vibration. So um, even Kathleen Martin will tell you that uh, there is a there's a vibrational nature to being able to witness one of these craft. And I've said it a ton of times, but there will be two people standing there. One will see a craft, one will not. Well, there are kind of systemic issues or things going on with them that make them stand out or vibrationally resonate at different frequencies. But maybe one could say that this occurs with the observer or the person receiving the information as well. If you've got some sort of predisposition or some sort of vibration in the universe, we know that like attracts like. So you bring forward to you what you're most vibration, what you're a most vibrational match for. So let's say people like Bud Hopkins, uh, Greer, they at attract these lower level entities because that's where their vibration is. And so they're the perfect people to report on this because they have the interest, but also they're attracting a certain type of case. Perhaps. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and, and I think, too, that there are physical aspects that are, you know, we supposedly have a very narrow uh, band that we can see. Uh, yet maybe some people have a larger band. And so, therefore, perhaps this, this you know, vehicle that's out there uh, is vibrating at that frequency. And so this person can see it because he has that bandwidth. Uh, so I, it gets, I think it's, it still gets even more complicated <laughs> because of that factor. You add in the phys physicality of it and then also the spirituality and, and, and the, uh, the frequency aspects of it. Uh, you know, are you prepared to, to see something like this? You know, it's like you hear the story about, you know, the Indians seeing these ships of Columbus and, they, they didn't really see him because they didn't recognize what the hell they were. Invisible ships. I have heard of this, and this is fascinating. Yeah. Now, some people say it's bullshit. I don't think so. I, I think you're right on this. Um, I think it is kind of a, a brainwave thing, and I'm grateful that you brought that up. Good good call, man. That's a nice pull. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So let's talk about uh, some hybridization uh, here yeah. real quick, because this is an interesting part of the reports. So what do you what do you think is going on with that? Well, you know, 
I, I vacillate back and forth on this thing. And, and um, you know, if, if you listen to what Gary Nolan talks about, you know, when people talk about hybrids, is that there's no, we do not have supposedly, supposedly, <laughs> in quotes, uh, you know, DNA of, of an alien. We can't compare anything. So these people that come forward saying that they believe they're a hybrid, there's no way to test that, uh, you know, with these people. You know, if they, if they take their genes and they look at them and, you know, there's not really any difference, uh, you know, from the quote-unquote normal people, <laughs> um, then, then, you know, it, it's very difficult to say that they're a hybrid. Um, however, if uh, you're familiar with the book uh, Rachel's Eyes by Helen Luttrell, um, Helen, Helen, yeah, Rachel's Eyes, you want to find out about hybrids. Uh, Rachel, uh, not only, she, she was also in our support group in San Jose, uh, and she was, uh, uh, had hypnotherapy by a June Steiner, who is the past president of Opus and is still on the board. Um, her daughter went to school with a hybrid, and and this person definitely looked different and uh, constantly wore a, a large hat and, and glasses that c covered the eyes. Military people would come to their dorm room. She went to, I, I believe it was Humboldt uh, College, um, and uh, delivering food for this person. And it was in liquid form. Uh, that that's all she would eat. That's all she would eat. And Helen got involved with this one particular military guy and supposedly uh, went off to a base that was like 90 miles southwest of Ely, Nevada, uh, where a lot of, of quote unquote hybrid uh, entities were, were, were living. And it was a group that was uh, uh, tasked with uh, retrieving, uh, you know, crashed uh, um, objects. Uh, it's it's a it's a fascinating book. It's a fascinating book. Uh, a lot of detail. Um, and uh, so when I you know every when I think about that, I say to myself, well, maybe there are hybrids. You know. <laughs> well, then it calls into like so many questions. That is a fascinating story, by the way. So many damn questions. Like, so is this a U.S. government program? Do they have some sort of aliens that are entities or something, some physical bodies that they've crashed, uh, recovered, which allegedly they do? And then are they undertaking this project themselves? Or is this an alien or a non-human in intelligence directed operation to where it's the extraterrestrials, as we'll call them just for simplicity's sake, extraterrestrials running the hybridization program. And then, of course, the question is, why? Like, are they, is there some sort of terraforming element to it? Do they need to bring the two species together? Is this more elusive to the um, future humans coming back in time machines kind of a thing because they have to adjust or, you know, uh, do something fantastical physically to their DNA, but they need us to help with that? All of it just trips me the fuck out, man. I'll be honest with you. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, you know, it, it's like it, it really goes back to the question of can you trust what the aliens are telling people, uh, which they generally don't tell people a whole lot of, of anything. Uh, you know, there's not, not 
you know, you do have cases where people are told, you know, some scientific uh, data or, you know, the fact that they, they teach them how to fly a ship. Um, but uh, the, the, the whole thing, uh, you know, can we trust what, what's going on? If they are hybridizing people, what's the purpose of that? And the purpose is that do they want to eventually take over, uh, you know, our society by creating these hybrids or is it is it self-preservation in some way shape or form that they need to change themselves uh and are utilizing uh you know the combination of our genes and and theirs so uh, you know is it a benevolent thing or is it a malevolent thing uh, that is going on and i don't think we have a definitive answer for that either i'm gonna say uh malevolent just simply because they don't ask you like you don't you don't give consent if this is something you know where you're captured or taken because uh, that's what it is. I mean you're basically taken, studied, uh, altered. You come back with junk rashes and all that kind of shit. Um, <clears throat> you know one of the interesting things is it does though as far as if we're looking at it <clears throat> just simply from a motivational standpoint, just outside looking in. If they don't ask you for your permission, then that that's it, right? It's not, there's no consent there. You're just being abducted. It's not like we're going on a trip. You're being abducted. You're being taken. Uh, so if that's the case, then yeah, that would, that would suck. But perhaps if we go back to the spirituality thing, if they're only taking or messing with your astral body, maybe you made some sort of agreement on the other side and you've said, okay, I plan to be a part of this hybridization program or I am volunteering. You know, it's a box you check, like being a donor on your uh, driver's license. Now you choose to be a donor or not. Maybe yeah. you could choose to participate participate in this or not, or maybe everyone gets abducted. Maybe it happens to all of us and, and only a certain few remember, and maybe they have certain either skills, attributes, physical things to contribute to being aware that this had even happened to them. You know, I think I, I like your last comment there, uh, that all of us have been abducted at one time or another. And, uh, uh, you know, if you go back to the Roper book, uh, poll that was done back in the early 90s, you know, that uh, back back then they talked about 6 million people supposedly uh, having been abducted in the United States. Well, this is a worldwide, uh, you know, phenomena. And can you imagine how many more people have been abducted since then? So if that's the case, uh, they're on a pretty good uh, schedule to uh, hybridize everybody. <laughs> you know, I think it is something like this. The more I think about it, the more it's that. It's either that it's a part of you and that we're super spiritual or, yes, it's some sort of uh, prison planet idea to where we're just a resource for them. We, we They can just come take whatever DNA samples. Uh, they can breed us. They can make hybrid kids, whatever, uh, and then just shag ass without us even knowing about it or some people misremembering or not even being able to recall in uh, hypnosis. So what's interesting also is perhaps you were uh, – abducted in this life it's just you don't even remember in hypnosis there's just like a block there yeah that they won't let you remember i i think right. it's probably way more ubiquitous than we think because if they have the ability to do this then they why the hell wouldn't they do it to everyone especially if they can pick and choose either screen memories or you know people have that all the time oh i saw an owl and then i'm, I'm missing three hours of time and then under hypnotic regression actually it wasn't an owl it was right. a gray it was this, this yeah. alien or whatever the hell they are uh, and it's interesting, man, the, the whole way that this thing plays out. But but like you, I'm, I'm right there with you. It, it offers way more questions than answers. So um, <laughs> let me ask you this. If, if you could figure one thing out about the phenomena, what would it be? It, well, is it is it? Oh, that's a good question. 
That's a good question. Uh, what was rolling off my tongue right away was, is it real? You know, and what does real mean? Actually, uh, that's a great answer. <laughs> what does real mean? Um, you know, um, I've, I've seen things, you know, I've had a, a couple of sightings myself, uh, you know, objects. Uh, one night I was uh, sitting in my hot tub in California and uh, looked up and I saw this object. And at first I thought it was a satellite uh, because it was moving along kind of on a steady pace. And then all of a sudden it stopped and then it zigged one way and then zagged the other way and then took off. So, you know, but it's a dot of light, you know, so you can't make much out of it, except it, that's strange activity, very strange activity. So for me, it, it, it is real. It is real. You know, and, 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 but I think there's obviously aspects of it that are beyond our understanding. The magic, you know, as Arthur C. Clarke says, you know, their, their, their technology is such that it looks like magic to us. Um, and, and uh, you know, being able to go through walls or windows, you know, without opening the window or, you know, putting a hole in the wall. Um, it, it's just just amazing stuff. It, and and I, I wish I had more answers. I, but I think that we just need to keep at it and keep talking about it and, and, and discovering, you know, uh, more things. That's why that Irreducible Mind book is, is uh, something that... My God, if you if you want to uh, you know have something by your bedside to uh, you know read uh, maybe a chapter if you can get that far in the chapter, uh, it's amazing, amazing stuff that's being said in there. But, well, it uh, sounds it sounds incredible, and I'm definitely going to pick up a copy. So thank you. Um, and of course, it'll be linked again, guys, down in the show notes as well as your book, The Unknown Other. Make sure that you go check this thing out. This is fantastic. I, I keep talking about it because it's it's amazing. So there's thanks. one more one more thing I want to ask you about, and it is implants. So talk to me about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is something that's that uh, a lot of uh, experiencers come back with. Uh, that it's it's a device that uh, uh, you know Dr. Roger Lear uh, was uh, famous for uh, taking these out. He did had 17 patients that uh, he uh, uh, got involved with uh, where they removed these objects. And as a matter of fact, hold on, let me just get get to that uh, implant information. And now this is in your book as well. So I'm just going to, while you're grabbing that, uh, just let folks know that um, it, this is in the book. Now, the implants are one of the most interesting part of the phenomena. And I have just so many questions for you about that specifically. It's crazy. So, so anyway, the bottom line is that there's no inflammatory or rejection reaction by the body mm-hmm. uh, with these things. Uh, no visible portal of entry. Um, uh, there's collections of the specialized nerve endings surrounding the object. Uh, an outer coating of ceramic biological material. Now, that's a very unusual combination. A metallic phase where inorganic metal becomes biological tissue. Um, The emission of radio waves, uh, which are deep space frequencies in the FM band, Um, electromagnetic fields in excess of 10 milligauss, composition of meteoric iron 66, uh, rare earth metals such as U-236, a single isotope of uranium exists, existing by itself, as well as elements such as uridium, uh, 
which is very rare and hard to find in Earth's crust. Uh, Non-terrestrial isotopic ratios indicating the involved elements did not come from Earth. Uh, and then he goes on and talks about nanotubes uh, and the, this particular patient that had these nanotubes uh, was before nanotubes were invented. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, and then gold spheres. And, and so it's, it's like, how are these things getting there and what, why are they there? And so are they tracking devices? Are they uh, uh, monitoring the person in some way physical? I've heard that uh, uh, they were utilized to check uh, pollution levels. Now, that was a very specific uh, uh, thing as far as a a person's body. Um, So, (laughs) you know, know, is this a a means of of controlling a person in some way, shape or form Uh, or all the above or all the above? All the above. Um, is it just like a piece of uh, the craft that they're whenever they turn from their astral body back to their physical body that they just got stuck in there somewhere? Uh, it is interesting, though, that they need to monitor and track with a physical object. Now, the properties of these are fascinating. And this is one of the reasons I asked is because, yes, it could be any of those things. But another thing could be that it's an artifact of that something happened to you. I think this about missing time. So missing time, I feel in my mind, or one of the ideas I've got about it is that it exists as an artifact to be looked at as a marker point for maybe somebody not willing to ask the question straight out or not into UFOs or any of this stuff. Uh, Maybe it's like, huh, well, I had three hours I can't account for. That's going to burrow its way in your mind and you are going to have to figure that thing out. Now, I don't think if they are time travelers, number one, uh, missing time shouldn't be a thing. It's it's not a thing that's done accidentally because you don't need to do that. You just take them back at the time that you left and then that's it. And so the fact that there's missing time, though, again, just like these implants, perhaps could be uh, kind of a marker that something crazy is going on here. And, and it makes it makes you ask further because it seems like the phenomena goes from from different ways with humanity as a species. It goes as these crazy fairies or lights or something like that. And then now there are objects in the sky that look like craft that are metal or, you know, whatever solid in form uh, uh, they appear to be. And then there are other things that stair step into this kind of ideology that keeps mankind invested. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. And these artifacts could be one of it. The, the, I guess, intellectual issue I've got with, um, again, something like missing time or implants uh, specifically is if they can just come scoop your ass up. They can phase you through a wall. They can either time travel or interdimensional travel. Why do they have to put a tag on you? Like, it's just <laughs> odd. You know, it seems like such a low tech uh, way to go about um, maintaining somebody. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I've I'm, I'm also th- thought about the fact that, well, you know, uh, our biologists, uh, marine biologists go out there and they, they uh, pull a dolphin out of the water and uh, they uh, take a blood sample. Uh, they tag them. Okay, and they throw him back into his environment and then come back a year later and pull the same one out. And then they check him again and they keep doing this. They're they're following this particular dolphin. Um, And I I, I think that, you know, it's you know, we're not at the top of the food chain. And and so there's a whole plethora of reasons why these aliens are, you know, people have said, well, you know, if they're so smart, they can just take one sample and they got it all figured out. They don't have to come back. They don't have to abduct anybody anymore. 
Well, the bottom line is I think that there's a younger generation of aliens coming on and they need to learn. And so oh they bring God. them down here and they start doing the same thing. I didn't even think of that. It's like teaching your son how to play catch or fish or something like yeah. that. All right, son, here's how you abduct a human being, you know, and maybe the bad experiences that they had or when they bungled it. You know, there's a learning curve. He's like, okay, it's all right, son. You'll get him next time. You know what I mean? Exactly. Damn. <laughs> Listen, that's crazy, dude. Uh, well, I... I, I love the hell out of this. I think uh, we'll, we'll probably wrap it up here, man, but this is awesome. I, I could talk to you forever about everything, but let's definitely do this again, man. Um, sure. You're just fascinating as hell, dude. I love this. And um, your book, of course, Thank The you. Unknown Other, uh, will be linked down in the show notes as well as all the ways that Opus's resources are available. I'm going to go ahead and link all that stuff as well as uh, the books that we've talked about. So you guys have a lot of links to go down there and explore. Um, make sure that you get The Unknown Other. Again, this is just one of the definitive books on the topic, and you cover so many wonderful things in a wonderful way in here. Also, the case examples you have from Opus and other things are fascinating, man. Because there was one in here. I was looking for it whenever we were talking about the um, aliens actually, or extraterrestrials actually helped them uh, do some crazy stuff. Like, they were very engaging with them. Uh, and yeah, let them fly a craft or uh, talk to them and kind of was patient enough to explain things to them, which I found fascinating. Uh, it's very rare that you hear that from these types of encounters. It's, it's, it, that's true. Absolutely true. And uh, we uh, hope to, uh, uh, in the second phase uh, of the uh, Omega-4 study, uh, we're going to go out to the, to the clients of these therapists that have participated in this study and uh, I will get you a copy of the phase one study, uh, you know, prior to our doing another show, because I think you'll find it re really interesting. I am so grateful. Anything you send me is interesting. So please do that. And yes, of course, your Omega studies you do cover in the book. I think you had one through three in there. Uh, yeah. Those um, after that, though, uh, go go check this out, guys. So that's why I didn't touch on it. I want y'all to go check out the book and to read those because it, it's done better in the book than than I could have just rattled off to you. So uh, make sure that you check that out. And Lester, I can't thank you enough for your time, dude. This was awesome. Uh, thank you, Brandon. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you. And uh, I, I found this uh, to be fun. And it, very interesting and, and informative because I learned some stuff from you today as well. You know, and that's what it's all about, brother. It's just a swap of ideas. I think you, you're you an incredible resource for this because you've talked to so many damn people that have that have had these from, uh, you know, in this firsthand account, it, there's nothing like that. Because then you can really dip into the psychology. You can, okay, what was going on? And, and kind of ask about these ancillary phenomena that come about as well. And you're, you're wise enough with the topic. And this is why I love researchers like you, is you don't pigeonhole it into one thing or another. You really are the open-minded kind of person that we need doing this kind of research so thank you again for everything dude. thank you're, you you're thank you for that i appreciate it very much okay. of course well we'll do it again soon man thank you so much all right thanks brandon Lester Velez, ladies and gentlemen, all of the ways, of course, to find him will be linked down in the show notes. Make sure that you check out his book, The Unknown Other and The Existential Proposition of Alien Contact, forward by Linda Moulton Howe. A phenomenal read. It should be on every ufologist. If you're interested in the phenomena at all, check this thing out because it's great. It's very comprehensive. There's some wonderful case studies in there that he did through Opus and through his Omega study. So make sure that you'll check that out. 
So uh, the music that you're listening to right now is Vinny the Saint. Uh, make sure that you check out the links in the show notes for him. Uh, he's got some new stuff that he's working on, always coming up with bangers, so go check that out. Uh, if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where all the links to all socials, Rockfin for our premium stuff, uh, also merchandise. So if you want to get some dope threads, we got some new cool t-shirts up there. We've been working with some artists and it's awesome. So go check that out, expandingrealitypodcast.com, linked in the show notes. Now, uh, go out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell this thing is, guys, and y'all just pick up a piece of litter, buy somebody in line around you or near you a coffee or a water or a book or a pack of stamps, however they come. They come in a roll or sleeve of stamps, whatever that is. Just do that. Makes a massive difference. The ripple effects ripple out, and it's incredible. So be nice to every animal, entity, lizard person, everybody that you come across, just a little smile, a little how you dern, something like that get out of the left-hand lane, of course, and uh, y'all just go out into this beautiful place, whatever the hell it is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time.